welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Levi Secord, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Christ Bible Church exists to bring all of Christ into all of life, and in doing so, we glorify God. This podcast series is not meant to be a replacement for the local church. It is not meant to replace your regular gathering with Christ's people across Christ's earth. And so we encourage you to use these sermons to bring glory to God, to bring all of Christ into all of life, and to strengthen and encourage one another in his name. With all of that in mind, let us turn our hearts and our minds now to the preaching of God's word, and in it may we see and glorify and emulate our Savior. As we've uh, already noted in this series, uh, both wisdom and folly are presented in the book of Proverbs as women. Not just any type of woman either, as attractive women. And this is meant to teach uh, young men what type of women to pursue. Right? The book of Proverbs is written by Solomon to his sons. And he picks the right imagery for teaching them. But it also helps young women to learn what type of woman they should desire to become. To put it plainly, through comparing and contrasting Lady Wisdom with Lady Folly, we see the path forward. The path that we should desire and the path we should avoid, both for men and for women. And so what we're going to do today is uh, something somewhat perilous. Uh, Phil said to me as I walked in this morning, did you put on your your body armor uh, for today's message? I had circled this one when I planned out the series of going, this one's going to be fun. Uh, To address the, the sins of women in general in our society could uh, get me labeled all kinds of nasty things. Uh, I could be called a sexist, misogynist, uh, whatever, and whatnot. And while there is, and we should be very quick to see this, say this, men, such a thing as toxic masculinity, we can say that there are ways that men tend to sin as men. There is also such a thing as, which our society is not as quick to admit, toxic femininity. Or that women can be wrong. Shocker. And more, and the more they assist, insist on absurdities like believe all women no matter what, the more you should realize you shouldn't believe all women no matter what. Because women do lie just like men. Both men and women are sinners. If you can't admit that on either side of the equation, then you're not acting in good faith. And well, there's really nothing more to say to that. I know I've just committed a thought crime in 38 different states. But the truth of the matter is, again, both men and women are fallen. Both men and women need salvation. Neither have a corner on the truth. Neither have a corner on sin. And men do tend to sin in masculine ways. And women do tend to sin in feminine ways. And neither men nor women have a claim on being the oppressed or the oppressor merely by being men or women. And so, at the outset of what is going to be two messages here, Today's message directed at wisdom for women. Next week's message directed at wisdom for men. So if you find yourself asking, hey, what about the men? Come back next week. Uh, I, will, I will deal with them. I want to say these things at the outset. Men and women are created equal in God's image. In His image, He created them, male and female. This means they have equal value, worth, and dignity. But this does not reduce men and women to being exactly the same in every way. 
That type of thinking has gotten us to the absurdities of our day. Men and women are wonderfully different. And this is a good thing. That obvious truth, of course, is too obvious for some of our elites. Men and women are also equal in that they are both equally fallen. They are both equally cursed. They both equally need wisdom and a Savior. This means that I, for one, don't believe all men are all women, and I don't disbelieve all men are all women. Chiefly, I believe God and His Word. That's where I begin, that's where I circle around, and that's where I end. And I use that Word to analyze everything, starting with my own heart. And so today, we're going to examine wisdom for women from the book of Proverbs. And as I've already said, there's positive examples in this book, Proverbs chapter 31, and negative examples of women in this book. There are both godly women and wicked women. And if you find yourself, again, asking, what about the men? Again, next week. So Solomon offers us a summary of the journey we're going to go on here in Proverbs 14.1, which Cindy read for us. Consider these words carefully. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. That's Proverbs 14.1. We could pass over that little proverb because Solomon at this point of the book is going bang, 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 shot after shot and not feel the full weight of this. Women are designed by God to be fountains of life in their houses. This is part of what it means to be a woman. Women bring life and beauty everywhere they go. And the contrast to that is utterly gut-wrenching. It's ghoul or ghoulish, soul-sucking. It is promoted in our day. When we actually stop to think about these things, we should be greatly disturbed only such perversion can describe things like the safest place in the world for a child the mother's womb being turned into the modern day auschwitz where women are told it is good and empowering to tear their own children limb from limb they tear down their house beyond the horrors of abortion this verse pictures two women two wives one who brings forth life by building her house in one who destroys it. In her folly, in her anger, in her self-righteousness, she tears down the very thing she should be building up, her own house and family. Depending on what study you believe, uh, somewhere between 75% and 90% of all divorces in America are filed for by the woman. 75 to 90%. If we were truly egalitarian, you think it would be f- closer to 50-50. And of these divorces, only 6% of them list physical abuse or an affair as the cause of the divorce. Right? So only 6% of those, 75-90%. to 90%. As I look back in my time in ministry in the last 10 years uh, in the, the Christian church, I can tell you that these percentages hold up in my personal experience. Most of the divorces filed for in the church come from the wife, and they do not come from any sense of a biblical grounds for divorce. 
Why is this so? Women have been lied to in extraordinary ways that they often feel justified, Proverbs 14.1, tearing down their own houses. None of this means the men are blameless. None of this should be taken as, hey, men elbowing their wives right now. No. None of this should be pitting men against women, but rather it is a clear reality. But if we understand our moment through the biblical lens, then it is clear that women have become in many ways the main target of some of the most devastating lies of our day. And it's killing them. The world says, take this medicine, you will feel better. And every study will tell you women are doing far worse than they've ever done. Maybe we should stop listening to these people. And if you want to seek the good of women, which I do, you cannot affirm these lies and you cannot pretend like they don't exist. You have to face them head on and tear them apart. And so consider again the word picture of the foolish woman here. She is taking a sledgehammer to her own house. Like if you were to drive in your neighborhood today and you saw someone tearing down their own house, acting all crazy, you go, what's wrong with that person? She's taking a wrecking ball to her house, a bulldozer to her house. Those who are designed to bring life are taking it. And I know, as I know my own sheep, that there are people in our congregation who have sat in that wasteland of a woman who's torn down her own house. This isn't how it should be. Now again, you're going to say, well, Levi, aren't there men who do this? Yes, there are men who do this. Everything I just said about women I could say about men, they are lied to in fantastic ways today. And it kills them. Today I want to give you four sins in the book of Proverbs that are common for women. Four sins that are common for women. Now when I say that, that does not mean that every woman ever has committed these sins. We say Women are tempted in some ways. That does not mean every woman is exactly the same. But every woman should be aware of these sins and actively combat them. Then I'm going to spend the rest of the message with six characteristics of the wise woman from Proverbs 31. So we're going to have some bad news and then we're going to have some, some good news to end with. These are four sins that are common to women. First, women should avoid the sin of lusting to be lusted for by men. Women should avoid the sin of lusting to be lusted for by men. It is true that when a man lusts after a woman, he is 100% responsible for that. But when women lust or desire to be lusted after, they are just as guilty as the man. Both have sinned. So men tend to lust after the physical beauty of a woman, but the corresponding desire in women is that they like to be lusted after. They, at some level, want that attention from men. They want to be noticed. And like all sins, this comes as a perversion of something good. Men and women are designed to go together. They are designed to give and receive one another. They are designed to be attracted to one another and to enjoy one another physically. All of those things are God's idea. That's not the problem. But the problem is, is we are quick to distort such things. The foolish woman is displayed throughout the book of Proverbs as flaunting her beauty and using it to lure men in to their de demise. Consider these words from Proverbs chapter 7. 
And behold, a woman meets him, that's the foolish young man, dressed as a prostitute, wily at heart. She seizes him, kisses him, and with a bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices today, and I have paid my vow, so now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. With such seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. So here's a beautiful woman. She is seductive, and she's throwing herself at a young man. And she is dressed in such a way as to be described as a prostitute. She lures him in with romantic and seductive speech and promises. And anyone who's ever been a young man knows that this would be a sore trial for a young man. She is hitting him exactly where he is weak. And she wants the lust that he has in her heart. And in no uncertain terms, our day is filled with such women. I'm raising three young boys. These are the type of things that keep me awake at night. This view of womanhood is is trumpeted as being liberating, whether it be porn stars or the really disturbing trend that is only fans. If you don't know about that, good. Keep yourself from knowing about it. But I read one thing this week that said, in the near future, almost all of our young women will have put themselves out on OnlyFans. It's not just going to be some random people in Hollywood anymore. Women, you must not become such a woman. How you carry yourself will inform how you want men to treat you. And if you communicate you want to be treated like a piece of meat, there will be plenty of men who will line up to treat you like a piece of meat. Young men, avoid such women. They are a path to death. For our women, make, I want to make this clear, it is not wrong to desire to be desired by men, but that cannot control you. And that must be harnessed and put into the context of marriage. One man, one woman for life. Sex is good, it is God's idea, but it must be operated by God's standards. A second sin, women must avoid becoming the, quote, quarrelsome woman. Stereotypes sometimes exist for a reason, and the nagging wife is one such stereotype. Men tend to sin physically, women tend to sin verbally. And Solomon hits this point twice in Proverbs 21, verses 9 and 19. He says this, It is better to live in a corner of a housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. And then verse 19, It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Now, again, we could say that about certain men as well. But notice the, the imagery Solomon used here. Like, if you just lived on the corner of your rooftop with no covering from the sun or the rain, that would be better than living in a house with a quarrelsome wife. If you were to go live in the dry desert land, all by yourself, that would be better than living with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. The stereotype of the quarrelsome nag, whether it is where there is nothing, where nothing is good enough, 
or what we would call today the fretful Karen, who is always finding fault and trying to control everything, is soul-sucking. One of the worst things you can ever witness as a man that happens to a fellow man is when his wife cuts him down publicly in front of other people. There's nothing more emasculating. These are caricatures and perversions of what a life-giving woman should be. And men are warned to mark and avoid such loud women. And women are instructed to not become such a woman. The biblical model here is personal responsibility. Women are instructed to act this way with responsibility. Men are also instructed to act this way with certain responsibility. Let me put it plainly. No one wants to live with someone who only finds fault and who lashes out with his or her tongue. You don't want to live with that. So don't be that. It becomes an oppressive place to live. And so this is why the Bible in many places, not just Proverbs, says be careful how you use your tongue. You will give life or you will give death. Third, women must avoid becoming the vengeful wife. The old saying is very true, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I believe this is what Solomon mentions in Proverbs 14, 1, the second half. Why is this woman tearing down her house? Why? It's not because she's bored. It's not because she couldn't think of anything better to do. She's doing it because she feels like she has a right to do it. She's acting in anger. She's acting in spite, out of vengeance. She feels justified doing so. I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it to you again. When we are wronged by someone, male or female, when you are wronged by someone, you feel justified acting the same way in turn. And this is why the Bible again and again tells you that if you're slapped in the cheek, you give them the other cheek. If they ask you to go a mile, you go an extra mile. Let me summarize it this way. The biblical ethic is this. It is better for you to be wronged than for you to do wrong. It is better for you to be wronged and to suffer that wrong than to retaliate with more wrong. That's the biblical ethic. When somebody wrongs you, that does not mean you can act however you want. You are still accountable for your actions. It is true that I've seen many a man driven by vengeance as well, but the warning here, again, is a wife who is tearing down her own house. When we are hurt, we tend to feel justified in hurting others. We must guard against being motivated by vengeance. Fourth, women must avoid seeing themselves as always right. And again, I can quickly add here, men too. Women must avoid seeing themselves as always right. Proverbs 30, verse 20. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. This is appealing because no one wants to think that they've done something wrong. This is the victimhood mentality of our day. Say women can do no wrong because they are oppressed. Therefore, believe all women. 
Or that women are inherently, as we hear sometimes in the church, more spiritual. They are inherently more holy than men. No, they're not. That's just as stupid as saying men are always right or that men are more holy than women. No, they're not. But women are told today simultaneously that they are victims and that they're really strong. So you have this weird tension of, of famous women being going from one thing from being like, oh, I'm, my life's so hard and everybody hates me too. Look at how strong I am. Which is it? They're told they're smarter and better than men, that they're always right. And young women, if you train yourself in such thinking, you will eventually be the adulteress mentioned here. You will wipe your mouth. And you say, I haven't done anything wrong. If you think back to about seven years ago, uh, there was uh, this thing called the, the Women's March. There was a lot going on at that event and what brought it about. I don't care so much about that. I just want to note what some of the speakers had to say at that event. One such woman infamously kept saying, I'm a nasty woman. And she didn't say that with any sense of shame. She was proud of it. If you get up on stage, if I got up on stage here and said, I'm a nasty man and I'm proud of it, you should fire me. Only with the attitude that I have done nothing wrong ever does such a thing make sense. The gospel comes in and says, you're a sinner. You've done a lot of things wrong and you need to be forgiven. And in fact, God is willing to show you so much grace that he would send his son to die for you. So you know what you should do? should own your sin and show grace to others. Once people truly get this, this is why Jesus spends so much time in some of his, his greatest warnings in the Gospels, the ones that should keep you awake at night, is to say that, hey, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. If you're not willing to forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. Because those who have been forgiven much, forgive much. Now we can shift gears to happier news, to Proverbs chapter 31. The Proverbs 31 woman is kind of the stuff of legend, and for that reason, she can be both awe-inspiring and discouraging. If you're a woman looking at the Proverbs 31 woman, you can be like, how could I ever do all of that? How can one woman do all of these things? And to that, I want to say that Proverbs 31 is not the picture of one day in this woman's life. For that to be the case, you would have to work 23 and a half hours a day. Rather, this is the totality of her life's service. These are all the things that she has done in a lifetime through her wisdom and her service. And as I've said before, we have this type of woman in our church many times over. In our church, in our families, our schools, and our society are blessed that we have such women here. And the description of this woman begins with these words. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The greatest earthly treasure you can find is an excellent wife. And all who interact with her are blessed, especially her family. So here are six characteristics of the wise woman from Proverbs 31. First, note in the descriptions read today, that this woman is not chained or contained only to her house. Notice the various things that she does. 
The godly woman may work in the home, she may work outside of the home, but her drive is always directed towards building her house. Wherever she is working, she is trying to build up her house. And so, the Proverbs 31 woman is described here as an entrepreneur, a businesswoman with skill, and as a blessing to everyone. Verses 13 and 14, she seeks goods or items from afar so that she can make those things with her own hands. She then, in verse 16, she buys a field and she works it and she turns the field into a vineyard. Verse 24, she makes linens and she sells them to the merchant. That is the marketplace outside of the home. I belabor this point because there are different roles for men and women, but they're not as simplistic as we often want to make them into. The Christian woman is not the stereotype that we sometimes get accused of believing that she needs to be barefoot and pregnant all the time and in the kitchen. Right? If she just happens to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, that's fine. But that is not the goal. That is not the whole scope of being a woman. And I have to say that you're giggling about it. I have to say that because when I say it's not that, you might think I'm against women being pregnant. I'm very much not. We have four children. The Christian woman is not... Is not this liberated feminist who casts off all the shackles of her home and now finds freedom in serving somebody she doesn't even know instead of serving her own family. That's not the Christian woman. Women are life-giving and charged with building their household however their household needs them to do so. And so wherever her hands are at work, in the home or out of the home, She doesn't do it for her own self-actualization or her own fulfillment, but she does it for others. You should hear rings of the gospel there. Your life isn't about you. It's about serving others. Her house, her husband, her children, and her employees are all blessed by her. The sphere of the woman has that distinct focus on building her house. Second, the wise woman is wise and hardworking. Proverbs 31 might look like a list of tasks or jobs for the woman of God, um, but she is here described as providing food, clothing, shelter, love, and care for her entire family. Verse 15, she rises up while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Verse 27, she looks wells to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's a hard worker. She pours her life out for others. But she's also wise. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Let me put it to you plainly, husbands in the room, as I turn to address you for a moment. Your wife is your best advisor. If there's one person when I have something going on, whether it be church life or family life or just life in general, if there's one person I want to hear from, it's my wife. What do you think about this? What am I missing here? She's my greatest confidant, advisor, encourager, and sometimes she'll look at me and pretty much say, stop complaining and just get back to work. And my heart trusts in her thoroughly and I have no lack of gain. The wise woman speaks wisdom in life into all things. Third, the wise woman brings forth life. She is life-giving. 
Folly is that woman who tears down her, hi- her house, who destroys things. But this woman is building up her house and giving life. Listen to the impact of her tireless work throughout this passage. Verse 11, her husband will have no lack of gain. Verse 15, she provides food for her house. Verse 20, she gives to the needy. Verse 21, she provides clothing for the family. Verse 23, she builds her husband's reputation in public. Verses 28-31, through 31, her children, her husband, and her community rise up to praise her. In summary, verse 12 says, she does him that is her husband good and not harm all the days of her life. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. There you go. You got those two women again. One who's tearing down her house and one who does good all the days of her life to her husband. That is a stark contrast. And here's the thing I, I really... I really think you need to hear. I don't think there's very many people out there who get married and who say, one day I want to tear down this house I'm building up. I think that's fair. You get there little by little, step by step, not dealing with your sins, both male and female, by believing little lies, by looking more and more within, by making life about yourself, by surrounding yourself with bad influences and getting bad advice and by turning away from the Word of God. Fourth, the wise woman operates in confidence. She is not fretful or anxious, but she trusts wisdom and its source, God. Verse 21, she is not afraid of snow, for her household is clothed in scarlet. Winter's coming, snow's coming, don't be scared. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the times to come. There's something that's happened to us, I think, the last three years or so, is we've magnified this idea of fear. And this is true of people on the left and on the right. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like the wise woman and the wise man looks at what's happening next and laughs at it. Ha! Bring it on! Why? Because I built my house wisely. I can face such times, and I know God. So bring it on. Wisdom is seeing the world as it is and grants us a certain boldness in confidence. Remember that favorite verse I have from Proverbs that the the sluggard says there's a lion in the street and he runs and says, run. That's foolishness. The wise person doesn't imagine threats and run away. He laughs at the threats that are to come. Fifth, the wise woman is praiseworthy because Her works are obvious. The passage ends with everyone gathering around the wise woman and praising her, from her children to her husband to her community. Her husband benefits publicly from her great work. As the old saying goes, behind every great man is a great woman. This is a part of God's good design. An excellent wife is worth more than precious jewels because she is worth more than anything else you can find. And the husband rises up here at the end and he says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Let me talk to you husbands again. Do you talk to your wife and about your wife like this? Because you should. It's even biblical. It's right there. 
Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Finally, the heart of a wise woman is the same as the heart of a wise man. She fears God and nothing else. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The godly woman fears the Lord and nothing else. She submits to His Word and she builds her life upon the rock that is God's Word. The truth of the matter is, is everyone in this room fears something. And I'm not talking about terror. I'm talking about respect. I'm talking about direction. You all have some chief authority you submit to. Your governing ethic. If it is the Lord, then you will be wise and this fruit will be a part of your life. But if it is anything else, if it is yourself, your own gratification, your own happiness, your own self-actualization, your own liberation or whatever, you will not have this fruit. And you will end up tearing down the very things God has you to build. And so the path forward for all of us is twofold. I say this to my kids all the time. There are two paths in life. There's the path of obedience and faith and the path of disobedience and disbelief. There is the path of wisdom, sorry, wisdom and folly. For our women, you will either be a Proverbs 31 type of woman or you'll be a Proverbs 14b type of woman who tears down her own house. You will either fear the Lord or you will feel, fear some type of idol. Now this is not a call to be perfect, for you will never be perfect. Christ is your perfection. Rather, it is a call to build your life upon Him who is your perfection, Christ. It is a call to trust God more than your feelings. It is a call to trust God more than Twitter or Facebook. It's a call to humility and faith. Because we are in an age that is beset with all types of lies directed at women. Including flattery and this idea that you can just trust yourself no matter what. But you must fear God and Him alone. And the oddest thing happens is when you fear God, you stop fearing everything else. You laugh in the face of threats. I was a going to be preaching at um, our sending church here in a couple weeks. And one of the things I wrote down to say to them is, you find a man like this to be your new pastor who only fears God. He's willing to lose his job over preaching sermons like this. In a lot of evangelical churches, I'd get a nasty note tomorrow morning. You laugh at the face of threats because we know who we are serving. God has given us the book of Proverbs so that we might excel in wisdom. And wisdom is the art of godly, skillful living. And in that, both men and women, you can be an instrument in God's hand that brings life to your children, to your spouse, to your church, and to the world. You can be an instrument that God uses to impart eternal life to others. Therefore, women, build your house upon the rock 
that is Christ, reject the lies of the world that would direct you to tear down your own house and live in the glories and the confidence that Christ has come, Christ has died, He has risen, and He is coming back. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You this morning that You have spoken to us, both as men and as women, that we might know what it is You expect of us. You have not left us blind with no guide, but You have given us Your Word. And so, Lord, I pray for the families of Christ Bible Church here this morning that you would help the, the men of those families to be godly men and the women of those families to be godly women. And that through this, you would build up many houses that would reflect your glory. And that you would draw the children of our church into a living faith because they see your work in the lives of mom and dad. And Lord, that as our world continues to spin out of control and lose its mind, that they would look into the households of your people and see a different, better way. And that through this, Christ might be praised and Christ's kingdom might come to this world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christ Bible Church. Remember, this world is dripping with meaning because Christ created it, He sustains it, and He is reconciling it all to Himself. Now go and live out that glorious truth.